I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed, it celebrates their triumphs, and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System and your host for Upholding Valor. I had the opportunity to sit down with an extraordinary lady. Nell Bright is one of just about 25 or so WASPs left. Now I'm talking about the women Air Force service pilots who became part of the civil service during World War II. Now, they were not military, let's make that clear. More on that later. These women completed countless domestic missions and flew over one million miles in service of their country. They ferried thousands of planes, towed targets for Air Force pilot shooting practice. They also trained men who would later fly combat missions. It was dangerous work, but these women kept flying day and night. It is my honor to introduce you to 100-year-old Nell Bright. We were the first women to fly military airplanes. We had the same training as the men. Primary, basic, and advanced. You had to have, be 21 years old and have your private pilot license and 75 hours flying time to be qualified to even apply. There were 25,000 women that applied and there were 1,800 accepted out of that. Uh, 1,074 graduated and got their wings. What made you want to fly to begin with? That's not something that women did back then, was it? Yes, there were a lot of women pilots. You just didn't hear about them. You heard about Amelia Earhart. You heard about Jacqueline Cochran, who were famous women aviatrix. And... uh, Jackie was uh, our commanding officer, actually. She was the one that talked uh, General Arnold and President Roosevelt into establishing the uh, the training program for women in in the Air Force because women had never flown before. So we were basically an experiment to see if we could fly military airplanes, which we could. 
Nell wanted to be a pilot since she was eight years old growing up in Northwest Texas. One day, she got the ride of her life in an open cockpit. In those days, they were called barnstormers. Nell tucked that experience away in the back of her mind until one day. I saw the story about them establishing this and were looking for women pilots in the flying magazine when I was out taking lessons or getting in some hours in Emerald, Texas, where I was taking flying. And I wrote the letter, and I got a, a letter back from Jacqueline Cochran that, to come to Fort Worth, Texas for an interview. Jackie Cochran is the very woman who founded the WASPs, and she is remembered to this day as the woman who pioneered women's aviation. So Nell jumped on the Greyhound bus to talk to that Jackie Cochran. She interviewed, headed back home, and within a couple of days she received a telegram from Cochran telling her that she was accepted and to report to Sweetwater, Texas, where training and, of course, boot camp would begin. We did all the military things like the calisthenics and marching everywhere we went and all that sort of thing. And um, took us six months. We didn't have any leave between primary, basic, and advanced. We got the same training as the men, as I said. Sometimes we got the weekends off, and sometimes we didn't because we had to get in our hours. For two years after graduation, Nell flew day and night training the men for combat. She said it was always fun to get on the flight lines in the morning and see what kind of mission they were assigned to that day. I was sent to a tow target squadron in El Paso. The, uh, we towed targets 2,500 feet behind our airplanes. We told them in B-25, B-26s. And the men would shoot real bullets at the target. They were learning how to shoot down airplanes when they got into combat. Other days, they were strafing missions. The men would go out early in the morning out into the desert around El Paso take on convoys and be in trucks and everything as if they were in combat. And we would come down just as the sun would come up and go right over the top of their heads. And they were supposed to jump out of the truck and hit the dirt to protect themselves, get under the truck, whatever. Of course, we weren't actually shooting at them, but when they got in combat, they were being shot at. I asked her if she was ever nervous or if she had any idea of the mark she was making in history. You didn't get nervous. We all loved it. If you didn't and if you were hesitant about it or a lot of people say, weren't you scared? No, if you were scared, you shouldn't be flying in the first place. We'd been trained, we knew what we were doing, and it was just what we did. Do you know how extraordinary this is? Did you realize at the time? Not really. <laughs> we were, everybody was doing their part in the war, and this was something that we wanted to do. But on December 20th, 1944, Nell was packing her bags for home. The WASPs had been deactivated after losing their bid for military status in Congress. Cochran demanded women be recognized as veterans and fairly compensated. 
H.R. 4219 was defeated 188 to 169, citing the program as too expensive and the women too inexperienced. All of our records were frozen and we fought for 30 years to get our veteran status. The truth is, equality for women in the military and beyond had a long way to go back then. Nell says women pilots faced a lot of discrimination during their service and after. Nell recalls one base where the commanding officer was less than hospitable. We had a report to the commanding officer of the base, and he said, I don't have any place to put you. You'd have to go down to enlisted men barracks. The leader of Nell's group called Jackie Cochran. And Jackie was flew into Biggs Field before noon the, de- the next day in her plane from D.C., and by the middle of the afternoon, we had our own BOQ. Finally, in 1977, President Jimmy Carter signed legislation giving WASPs veteran status. Some 30 years later, Nell received her honorable discharge. Today, the 100-year-old reflects on those times. She still doesn't understand what the fuss is all about, all the interviews, all the stories. She says she was just doing what she loved, flying and serving her country. However, she does see how her actions and the actions of over a thousand women set the tone for women in the military, especially women pilots. They have to be pretty strong and they have to really want to do it because uh, even today, we had a lot of a little bit of pushback from some of the higher officers. We had a really good experience, but um, you, you know, you just have to be able to take it. Well, I think I hear what you're saying because I've, I've, I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. It's still not even. No, it isn't. After the war, many of the women wanted to keep flying, but commercial airlines told them the public wouldn't stand for it. The Air Force did offer commissions to former WASPs in 1949, but all who accepted were given support and administrative duties, not flying duties. As for Nell, she never flew again. In fact, her kids didn't even know she was a pilot until they were teenagers. She went on to set even more history, becoming one of the first female stockbrokers in Phoenix, Arizona. She worked until she was 85 years old. Today, Nell lives in Salt Lake City. She may be 100, but she still has a lot of fire in her belly. Now, I have to say this. We must talk to, learn from, and cherish these amazing individuals who went through so much for us before they're gone for good. They fought for us. They are indeed a special breed. I cherish the time with her, and I will never forget it. Thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I'm a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm, and this is very personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us or better yet, tell a vet and tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to kslpodcast.com slash veterans. 
VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.